One of the things that can make seasons of suffering so hard is when we don't believe what God can do. But there may come a point where we grow in spiritual maturity and we know that God can do things. However, it's at this point that we hit another obstacle. We begin to define our expectations of what God should do. And sometimes those expectations can actually limit our ability to see how God is actively at work. Perhaps one of our invitations in the midst of suffering is not to define what God can do, but simply to say that he can. God can. This is something our guest Benjamin has been learning. We first connected on his podcast, and I was grateful to have him on mine because he shares his story of accepting a counterintuitive and risky invitation from God. And even though he still has many questions about what God might do, he definitely knows this, that God can. And God can in your situation as well. You're listening to episode 145 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for the ways that you persevere, that when you want to make something happen, nothing can stand in the way. And so we thank you for how that's true for this conversation and all the obstacles we face even before talking. We're convinced that you want to speak, that you are speaking. And so we want to say, here we are. We want to listen for you. And we also want to give our words and our thoughts to you. Whatever we bring into the table, we release it and pray for you to guide this conversation and take it wherever you want to go. And we pray that in all of this, that you are honored and glorified. I was praying his holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. So Benjamin, I'm excited that we're finally able to talk because, man, half the time we've been trying to make this happen, you couldn't hear me or I couldn't hear you or <laughs> there's buzzing and... It's been a wild ride, but you and I have gotten to already talk once when I had the privilege of being on your podcast, yes. so I'm excited to talk with you now. But before we jump in, what would you want people to know about who you are as we start this conversation? Oh, what a great question that is. I would probably say that I want people to know that I'm just totally sold out for Christ, sold out for the Lord. I really don't care too much about anything else except reflecting him right, representing him right, and me as one of his image bearers and representatives in the earth realm. My aim, my goal, my purpose is to reflect him well to the best of my ability in every facet of life. So I care about his glory. I care about reflecting him properly. I care about his word. I care about his spirit. I care very deeply. That's what I would say. Yeah, I love it. You know, like I noted, you and I have already had some conversations, but here we are now having a conversation in the midst of this sitting and suffering season that I've been navigating that just keeps on going. <laughs> yeah, as you've been thinking about this conversation and this idea of sitting and suffering, what's God been bringing to your heart? Well, first of all, I think I noticed what God has you at mm -hmm. in regards to sitting and suffering. I think I was just scrolling down your profile on Instagram, I believe, and I seen you had a series going with that. And I was like, wow, that's me. That's me. So I'm like, let me reach out. I said, let me just reach out and let me tell him that I have to be on here. So it's me. It's me. I've truly been sitting in suffering, but it's been a beautiful thing, right? Suffering is beautiful. I think as we go forward in this conversation, that will probably be the culmination of it because that's the truth of suffering. But I would just say that it fits me, it fits where I am, 
And I just want to divulge more about where I am just to glorify him in the suffering. Yeah. You just touched on a reality that we don't always realize in the midst that there is an after, after the suffering where we're able to look back. We all know about the during, but then there's this before. Mm. There's this clear point where life was one way and then suddenly it was different. What was that point where life was one way and then suddenly you're like, oh man, what have I just fallen into? Uh, (laughs) Well, interestingly, that point was actually when I was converted. Mm. I was working at a job. I worked in public transportation for about two years or so. The company I worked for, you know, I was making good money, was great benefits, and I was able to take care of my family and provide and pay the bills and still have a little bit left over. So in terms of financially and being a provider for my family, I was in a good place. But then after working there for about two years, this amazing event, amazing experience happened to where, to be honest, I really didn't even know that I was converted, that I was born again at first. The only thing that I could say in describing it here is that I just felt new inside. Mm. I felt new. And that's all I knew was I felt new. Coworkers at the job, they were like, man, Ben, what's gotten into you? Or man, Ben, you look different. Or, man, Ben, you don't do this anymore and you don't do that anymore. It's like, man, what's gotten into you? And my response was, I don't know. I just feel new. I feel new and I feel whole and I feel healed from the inside out. That's all I knew at first. I just began to pray and I felt like God was calling me and prompting me by his spirit to leave my job. Mm. I just felt this real strong sense of like him calling me out. Similar to, you know, how he did with Abraham when he was like, you know, leave your father's house and, you know, leave your kindred and I will take you to a place of promise and I will make you a blessing and different things of that nature. But I just felt a strong sense of a prompting to leave. And so a few months had passed. I prayed about it and I was kind of going back and forth and I talked to different people about it. I talked to my wife about it. After a couple of months, I finally made the move and I left my job. And so this was four years ago now. Mm. It's been four years since I left my job. It's been tough. It's been tough these four years. So I was converted. Like I said, I felt new. I felt whole. And then I felt the call. I felt the prompt to leave. And then I left. It's just been a ride, a journey. But the call was a call into a whole new life and lifestyle, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. It was a call into his purpose, my God-given purpose for my life. So when I left and compared to where I'm at now, just recently, brother, I'm telling you, he's made known to me even more deeply who I am in him and what my purpose is. I kind of knew it when I first left four years ago when he called me out. But then in this four year journey of processing and getting used to this new life and lifestyle, it's come with sitting and suffering. It's come with me thinking that I was on point. But then now to recently him even revealing more deeply who I am and what I'm to do. But the moment of suffering came at the moment of salvation and the moment of conversion. Man, you know, here's what's crazy about that. As you're talking about it, it makes me think of the disciples and they all had fairly normal and comfortable and sustainable lives as far as we know. Right. Mm. Peter was a fisherman was doing his fisherman thing. Matthew was living large, doing his tax collector thing. Like They all (laughs) had these lives that they could have just kept on doing. And then Jesus said the same thing to them. Hey, leave your job (laughs) and come into something you don't know. Absolutely. And they stepped into a space that their old selves would have seen as suffering. 
right? Like, hold up, hold up. Not knowing where my next meal is going to come from. Wait, you mean being threatened by Pharisees? Wait, you mean like eventually going to die? Like, it's, it's not a life that they would have chosen. Yet, what we read in scripture is not only did they accept the call to follow, but they stayed in that call all the way to the point of death. And so you've talked about these two pieces of it. One, this transformation, like something was just different. But two, that suffering was also a part of it. And so if Jesus called you into this place of suffering, why would you stay? What kept you at the table knowing that hardship was there? What kept me is him developing me, right? Mm -hmm. And him growing me into the knowledge of him. Mm-hmm. So with the transformation and with the conversion has come suffering, but it's also come this intimate knowing, mm-hmm. right? This intimate knowledge, this grace of him unveiling. So not only calling us into a life of suffering or a life and lifestyle that's totally different or opposite from the one you were in, but it's grace. Mm-hmm. It's an intimate knowing of I've saved you, right? I've converted you. I have born you again with my spirit. So with that comes an intimate knowledge of if he did this for me, Mm -hmm. then even in the midst of the suffering, there's no way he's going to do that and then leave me or forsake me or Mm -hmm. leave me stranded or leave me to continue in the suffering. He's going to grace me in the suffering. He's going to be with me in the suffering. So I would say that there's an intimate knowing And just uh, security, you know, it's suffering, but it's security, right? (laughs) You're secured in that suffering by the most high, by his power, by his glory, by his grace. And that keeps you level in the suffering. Yeah. It's almost like we have to shift our understanding of what is valuable and what is meaningful. Because prior to this, job security was a valuable and meaningful thing. Consistent income was a valuable and meaningful thing. Consistency was, a, you know, all these things we put value to. What you're talking about is, yes, there is hardship, but there is this deepening sense of knowing who God is and who you are. And that suddenly became more and more and more valuable. As you were talking, it made me think of Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had Mm. and bought it. And I remember hearing that as a kid and thinking, that's stupid. (laughs) How is a pearl more valuable than everything you have? And what are you even going to do? Like you've sold all you have. So great. You have a pearl, but you don't have food. You don't have money to buy food. So what are you going to do? Sell the pearl you just got? Like what? Like it made no sense to me. But that's because I was coming to it with my limited understanding of pearls, of how the world works, of what's valuable. And this merchant knew something that I didn't. Mm. This merchant knew that this pearl was worth losing everything. Yes. You know, we find ourselves in our lives trying to protect things like our jobs, our reputations, our income, all these kind of things, because that's what's valuable. And meanwhile, Jesus is like, no, 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 no. What I'm offering you is worth losing all of that, all of it. You know, the Apostle Paul does the same thing. He's like, I had everything and now I consider it rubbish compared to knowing Christ. But let me ask this. You've gained this wisdom, right? That there is value in the suffering. God is teaching you more about who he is and more about who you are. Do you get to a place where you're like, all right, so can the suffering stop now? I I got it. I'm tracking (laughs) with you. Can we move to the next stage? Do you find yourself in that place sometimes? Probably earlier on, but not now. Mm. And I mentioned this earlier too. 
just recently, he has really unveiled to me even more deeply, like I said, who he is and who I am in him. Mm-hmm. I knew when the call came and when he gave me the grace to obey the call and I left my job, I knew certain things. Like I knew that I was called to write. Mm. Writing was important to me, important to his purpose for my life. So I knew that. I sensed that and I understood just a call to write down this supernatural event that happened to me. You know, write down his prompting to leave my job with that entails, you know, write down the other jewels and other wisdom that he was giving me during my sanctification process. He's like, write it down, write it. So I knew writing was important, but just recently, and I mean, probably like last week, Mm. just last week, man, he revealed to me deeply that writing for me is not only important, but it's necessary. What I mean by that is he showed me And he reminded me of something that I read a while ago concerning the great Italian sculptor and poet and architect Michelangelo. There was a quote that he said, and I can't remember it word for word, but I'm kind of paraphrasing. But one of the quotes that Michelangelo said about his work, he said, I seen the angel within the block of marble and I carved till I set him free. Mm -hmm. Right. And he showed me and he said, son, that's who you are. He said, son, you're not a sculptor, but he said, you're an artist. And he said, you're a writer. So you writing is like a carving tool. So my pen is a sculpting tool or a carving tool. He said, your block of marble is a blank piece of paper or a blank screen. And he said, I called you to sculpt or to carve out angels or lovely apparitions or beautiful statues. I called you to carve that out with a pen. You know what I mean? And he just began to break this down to me and show me this using that metaphor. And I was like, wow. And it just made me understand these past couple of years. I've been doing everything else but writing. Mm -hmm. You know, I started a podcast and I was preaching online and doing some other things. I was posting a lot of videos. I was making all this content and I was doing all these things that were for him, but it wasn't the core of who I was. Mm -hmm. So just with understanding more about who he is and about who I am, what my purpose is, why I'm here, it's never about wanting the suffering to stop. Because if I didn't go through the suffering then I probably wouldn't have have came out with this wisdom, with this knowledge, with this revelation of just more deeply about what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never, never wanted to stop because it's jewels in it. It's for a purpose, though, too, right? Mm -hmm. It's all for a purpose and it's all for a reason. And the reason that he has allowed me to kind of go through this was to show me the importance, the magnitude of who I am in him I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, what's wild about the invitations that he gives is sometimes he doesn't tell us exactly why, right? Or what's going to happen. So he invites you to write, but you may not know ultimately what that writing will do or what writing will be meaningful. And you're talking about Michelangelo and I don't know what his motivations were for why he wanted to sculpt or, you know, what his end goal was. But I could tell you this. I doubt he imagined the impact that it would have for generations and generations, that there are people today looking at his works and feeling inspiration Mm. or feeling conviction or feeling like because 
his works are just so exquisitely beautiful right. that you can't help but notice there's something powerful about the details of this, right? So his sculpting has had generations of impact and the letters that you write on pages, you never know what impact that could have. And I love that God invites us into that kind of thing that we don't have to actually have the strategic plan laid out and know exactly how this is going to flesh out. We just have to say, all right, God, well, this is what you're inviting me to. So I want to walk in obedience to it. Yes. And then he takes it from there. But, mm. you know, the other thing I really like about that Michelangelo quote is it made me think about this is what we're talking about for us. Like we are these giant blocks of granite mm -hmm. that God's chiseling away at because he sees something in it yes. that we can't see. Yes. We can't see it. <laughs> and what's even funnier is if granite could feel, granite probably wouldn't want to get chiseled. Right. Because who wants something sharp jabbed into them and then banged and banged and banged? If we were a block of granite, we'd probably say, hey, I like how I am. I like being this large, weird shaped block. Of, I just let me be. And God's like, no, but I see something better. Beautiful. But because we can't see it, we fight it and we fight it and fight it. Exactly. And maybe we start to see something materializing, but we think it's going to be an arm when really it's a leg or we think it's going to be this or that. And when it's not panning out like we thought it was, it's like, oh God, you're making a mistake here. Mm. <laughs> like you're messing up. Mm. But God knows exactly what he sees. Oh my God. And he knows where the chisel needs to go. And he'll keep on chiseling, right? even when we fight it. But Beautiful. man, what comes out on the end of it, mm. right? At the end, we're going to be like people who look at one of Michelangelo's sculptures, right? When we get to eternity, we'll be able to see what God could see and be like, man, oh man, I'm glad God had control over my life and didn't just leave it in my hands. Mm. Like that he invited me to let him chisel and that I actually didn't get in the way of it too often. Yes, right? yes. Because he sees something we can't. Let him chisel. He is the great visionary, mm -hmm. right? He's the great visionary. He's the potter. We're the clay, right? He sees, like you said, he sees what we can't see. Mm -hmm. It's just beautiful how you equated suffering with that chiseling, because that's really exactly what it is. It's like, we call it suffering, but I believe God calls it conforming you to the image of Christ, mm -hmm. right? He's just transforming us and he's conforming us and chiseling us making us more like his son. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And the whole time we're talking about Michelangelo, I'm thinking of the David statue, which I've never seen in person. But when I heard from people who have, like they said, it's all inspiring. And I've seen pictures and yeah, sure enough, I mean, this thing is intense, man. But that's one thing you can create out of granite. Mm. You could have granite countertops. You can have granite columns. I think this is the other hard part about trusting God. Because we might all want to be the David sculpture. <laughs> we want to be this beautiful work of art on display. God may chisel for that purpose, but man, without the columns, there's no building to have that sculpture in, right? So right. like, are we willing to trust what God sees is our purpose? It's like the passage about the body right. and that the hand might say, well... I'm not a foot, so what's the point? Or eyes might say to the ears, well, you're not like me, so what's the point? Yes. And the passage makes it clear that every part of the body has a purpose, whether it's often used or rarely used, whether it's on display or hidden. All of them are essential for the whole body to function. Definitely. So will we trust God's chiseling? And if he's not chiseling what we want him to chisel, mm. if the purpose is going to seem lesser than what we would want it to be, right. because he has a greater understanding of the kingdom and the whole body, whereas we have an understanding of the here and now, our lives, <laughs> how it impacts us. Right. That's good. When you said that, I thought about the Apostle Paul when he said, we prophesy in part and we know in part. 
but when the perfect comes, right? When the complete comes, it's kind of like, you know, we do the best we can with the inspiration that we have, with the illumination that he gives, with the enlightenment that he gives. We do the best with that, but when the perfect comes, you know, that's when everything will be made known. We're going to see him like he is and be like him. So that's a beautiful thing. You know, when we started, I talked about how there's this point after the suffering where we look back and then there's the during and then there's the before. But you made this comment that you don't necessarily want the suffering to end mm. because you recognize what God is doing through that. And what's interesting in conversations about suffering is that we have them assuming that there is an end to it, assuming that that's where we should be. But it's almost like you're giving this implication that maybe sometimes the season of suffering doesn't end, but our understanding of it, our relationship with it shifts. Mm. I've seen how the quote unquote suffering in one particular context could end or like draw to a close. Once you're centered back on who you are and what you need to be doing, there is a point, I think, where it trails off, right? Because you're recentered, you're refocused, you're back where you need to be and doing what you need to do. You know, so that's one context. But I think the overall scope of walking out this life as a Christian and just, you know, walking with Christ and continuing to be sanctified, that process never ends, right? It's like once you kind of like get back where you need to be and do what you need to do, it's like, yeah, suffering in that particular context might end, but the overall suffering of just being in this body and continually being sanctified and being conformed, that process doesn't end, right? Mm -hmm. Until the perfect come, until the Lord cracks the sky, right? That's when it'll end. So until that point, it's like you said, your understanding of what suffering is shifts. And then when it does come, maybe in another context or to another degree or in another way, it's like, okay, well, I already know what this is, right? Yeah. This is just getting me stronger. It's making me more like him. It's making me more humble. It's getting rid of something that I didn't know was there. Mm -hmm. I trust him with my life. Mm -hmm. I really trust him with my life, bro. And it's interesting too, because when I was leaving my job, I was having a conversation with a passenger that used to ride my bus. He would get on and we would just talk and just have a general conversation. Once I was transformed, and like I said, I felt like the Lord was prompting me. One day he got on and I was sharing this with him. I'm like, man, I think I'm about to leave my job. Mm -hmm. He's like, why? He's like, why are you leaving? And I'm like, man, I don't know. I feel like God is just calling me. I'm sensing him tell me to leave. And I just feel like a shift. Like he just wants me to go. He's like, no, you don't need to go. He's like, you can glorify him here. You know, he's like, do you know how many people come on your bus that you can share Christ with or you can, you know, share the word or you can, you know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's true. I'm like, that's very true. But I still sense this. So that was one day in one conversation. And then a couple of weeks later, I put in my two weeks notice already. And then I was kind of like working out the two weeks. I seen him again. And he's like, yo, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, man, I've never seen anybody with that much faith. Mm. Right. Mm. I say that not to give me any glory, you know, because I'm nothing. You know, I'm just a son and a slave of him and a representative of him and a conduit of his grace. I said, listen, I said, I trust him with my life, though. You know what I mean? I'm able to do this because he has broken the bonds of iniquity. You know, he has loosed the grip of the devil over my life. I said, I'm new and I'm transformed. If he loosed the power of the devil over my life and gave me a new heart, 
right? A heart of flesh. Like he removed the heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. You know, he's renewed my mind. He's changed my life from the inside out. I'm like, he did that. So I know if I do this, that I won't fail, Mm -hmm. you know, that I won't fall. Not because it's anything of me, Mm -hmm. but because of his power. Right. But that story came to mind. And he said, man, I've never seen anybody with that much faith like that. You know, and I just thank the Lord for that because it's him that works in us. So will and to do with his good pleasure. Yeah. And what's beautiful is it's an invitation to understand that God can do versus specifically what God can do. Cause that's how we can try to box things in. That's what this guy was doing is he's like, I hear you want to honor God, but you can do it staying in your job. Right. Because <laughs> there's this understanding that leaving your job is risky or crazy. Right. That losing your income is risky or crazy. But you were being positioned to say, I don't know what God's going to do. I just know that he can. That's it. Right. It's like Abraham when he was invited to sacrifice Isaac. He didn't know what God was going to do, but he knew that God can. (laughs) So he's like, I'm going to move forward and take Isaac up. I don't want to kill my son. God gave me him. So I don't think God wants to kill him, but I'm just going to go in this direction because God can do whatever God's going to do. Right. You know, when we're talking about this idea that suffering can continue, that being a human in a broken world, a broken human in a broken world, we're going to continue to walk in this place. What it made me think of as you were saying that is that phrase that we are in and not of the world. Mm. In other words, we exist in the world, but we are not of it. Or put another way, we can be in suffering, right? But not consumed by it not controlled by it. And so the imagery that it put in my head is it's like, if you took me out into the ocean and threw me into the ocean, I would be pretty concerned that I would be consumed or controlled by the ocean. I could swim a little bit, but I can't swim well enough to stay afloat in the ocean for a long period of time. So either it's going to consume me and I'm going to see, or the waves are going to overtake me and control me. And this is how we can feel about suffering is it's like we're being tossed into the ocean of suffering and we know that we're just going to get consumed or controlled, but maybe we want to have a little bit of faith and we're trying to think about the only way in which we could survive. God could give us the capacity, the supernatural capacity to tread water for days and days and days, right? Like Mm. there are stories of people who have been able to tread water longer than they ever thought they could, like Mm. supernatural ability to have that perseverance, right? But God can work in other ways because the reality is, is God could do what he did with Peter (laughs) and we could actually stand on top of the water. That's impossible, but we could do it. Or God could increase the salt level. So suddenly we become more buoyant. And just like in the Dead Sea, people will walk out into the Dead Sea and it's so salty, they just float Mm. that we could be in the middle of the ocean and just float. God's capacity and his creativity are so robust that we could be in a situation in which in our minds, we would be consumed and controlled. And God's like, You have no idea. I have hundreds of scenarios in which you are able to be in this, but not controlled by it, not consumed by it. Mm, That's good. So our invitation is to trust that God can. (laughs) If he's inviting us into this space of suffering, if he's not taking the suffering away, if like the disciples, they entered a life of suffering that they knew would end in death, that we can step into that space saying, I don't know exactly what God's going to do, but I know he can. And so I'm going forward. Yes. So true. So true. And it's, it's so many stories in the Bible that we could, you know, we can throw out there. <laughs> when you were talking, I thought about the prophet Elisha mm-hmm. when he received the call from Elijah, when Elijah threw his mantle on him, he was at his job. Mm-hmm. Elisha was at his job and he was plowing with the oxen and he was driving a 12th. And then when the call came, he burned his past behind him, right? 
he burned everything behind him. You know, he killed the oxen and he took the yoke and the other parts and he burned it and gave it to his family and left. And that was representative of, listen, when the call comes, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I know that I'm not coming back. Like, I'm not going back to my old way of life. I'm not going back to the old me. I'm not going back. I'm burning everything behind me because I know that he can. I don't know what's going to become of me, but I know that he can. There's so many points about this, but I just want to share very quickly. You even said with the disciples how they were caught into a life of suffering, right? But I want to say they were called into a life of suffering, but it's like that life is that's the life for them Mm -hmm. that does something to you. It is your heart's desire, Mm -hmm. right? The life that God has for you, that he calls you into the good works that were foreordained for you before the foundation of the world, that life and lifestyle includes suffering, Mm -hmm. but it is so you, right? It's tailor made for you. It's unique to you. It's custom made for you. Like purpose is the works that have been custom made for you. So even though it's challenges and it's different things that you go through in this life and throughout this walk, it is tailor made for you. This is your heart's desire. Hmm. Elisha did not want to be plowing with the moxen all his life. The Bible doesn't explicitly say, but I don't believe that he wanted that forever. Hmm. He wanted something different. He just didn't know what it was. Hmm. But when the call came, he burned everything and was like, this is the life for me. Yeah. You know, you're, you're made for it. We're made for yeah. it, man. And that's the beauty of it. And I think it's okay if it's hard for us to see it right now. Right. As long as we're willing to step. Because I think that's where we get tripped up is we look at our state of suffering. And we say, I, I just cannot see any way that this could be redemptive. <laughs> You left your job and four years ago is when I lost my job. And so you and I both been like on an interesting four year journey. But wow, brother, that when the hardship really started to happen, it was hard for me to find a way that my work situation could be redemptive. And I would try to brainstorm ways. And then when it wouldn't pan out that way, I'm like, all right, God. So why is it? Why is it? Why is it? But The key was that God had positioned me to be willing to stay at the table, to be willing to continue to step as he called me to step, even if I didn't understand it. And on this end of it, I can see pieces of what God was doing. But here's what's beautiful. What you've described is real. There can be an invitation that God is giving that would look like suffering to everyone else, but that we could find a joy in it. And so it made me think of Acts 5, verse 41. And there's many passages that carry the same kind of theme. But in this, the disciples who had left everything, who had gone through all kinds of stuff, who had followed Jesus, who watched Jesus die and thought, what in the world have we been doing all this time? Who saw him come back and said, oh my gosh, this is bigger than we thought. Who waited for the Holy Spirit, received the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. was utterly transformed. Mm -hmm. They're trying to live their lives for God and for Christ. And then suddenly persecution starts up. They start getting arrested. They get whipped and told, don't do this anymore. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. Brother, hold Yeah. I'm sorry, but I just want to say this real quick before you continue and you read that passage. That was the exact passage mm. that I was going to say that I was going to throw out there, mm. right? The passage you're going to read, <laughs> the spirit has connected us, brother. Uh-huh. I'm telling you that passage was in my mind and the Holy Spirit has connected us. That was the exact passage yeah. I was thinking. But but go ahead, brother. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just wanted no, I to say it. that. I love it. Because this is the thing is the world will look at their situation. People probably were looking at their situation, right? And saying, oh, man, 
they got arrested. Y'all got to ease up a little bit. Instead of saying Jesus, maybe just say, say something else. You know, This is their response. Then they left the presence of the council. All right, they've been threatened. They've been beaten. They left rejoicing mm, that they on. were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Mm-hmm. So their attitude and something that the world would say was awful was they were rejoicing. They're like, yes, oh, we got to suffer. Whew. They were grateful for the suffering because like you noted, they had suddenly discovered a deeper understanding of themselves, a deeper understanding of God, of Christ, a deeper understanding of their purpose. And the old ways no longer made sense. Mm. The old ways of like, let me just do my fisherman job and go home and then right. go fish and then go home. Didn't make sense for their context. Their invitation now welcomed in abuse and threats and unknowns because there was something deeper happening and we're invited to the same thing. Mm. Now, not all of us are going to be burning our oxen and all that kind of stuff. Like, there may be scenarios in which God says, I want you to remain in this space, right? Or I want you to continue as you're coming. Paul went all around, but James stayed in Jerusalem for the most part, right? But the key isn't, should you stay in your space or leave your space? The key is, are you seeking God? And are you willing to step as he invites you to step? Are you willing to leave if he invites you to leave? And if we are... Even if we don't understand, even if it feels like we could still get consumed or controlled, we can rest in the confidence <laughs> that God can. That God can. Amen. Beautiful. So beautiful. He can. He can and he will, mm-hmm. right? Faithful is he who called you, who also will do it. He is going to bring something beautiful out of this suffering. He has already, mm-hmm. right? Prior to my transformation, I suffered. I suffered through life and suffered just, you know, brokenness, right? And rejection and hurt and pain and shame and fear. And oh my goodness, the list goes on and on, right? Suffering through life, trying to break free. And he brought something beautiful out of that. The man that you see here talking to you, this is not me, right? Me talking, me communicating his truth and his power and his word and his son. This was not me. I was lost and I was bound and I was confused and I was in bondage, man, and tormented by the powers of darkness. And now I'm totally led by the Holy Spirit. Mm. If he brought something beautiful, what you see now, what you hear now out of that, Mm. then, man, whatever you're going through right now is nothing, right? It's nothing for him. It's nothing for him. Let me share this, though, too. I wanted to honor my wife. Mm. (sighs) When I left my job... She wasn't in full agreement with it. And there was a point when I did leave and when I was home, it was hard, very hard for her, very hard for us. My marriage was kind of on the rocks Mm. and she was more so like, how could you do this to us? How could you call yourself a man? Kind of like leave your responsibilities and not provide for your family. And she just didn't understand how I could do that. And so marriage was on the rocks and we were going at it and different things of that nature. And this was shortly after. And now, four years later, it's still hard. Mm -hmm. It's still hard. You know, she's working and she's been taking care of the family and she's been holding down a fort and she has labored through this with me. I thank God for her because I can see the Lord is working in her heart, has worked on her heart and is working in her heart to where with no more bitterness that I left. She understands the call on my life. She understands what the Lord has called me to. But just to see her 
you know, still working, still being the breadwinner. She has a car. I don't. Her money that she gets from her job is paying all the bills. I don't have too much of anything. But her heart has changed and she understands the call, my purpose, and she has labored. So I just want to honor her because it wasn't looking good for us at first, mm -hmm. you know, but I believe the Lord worked on our heart because I prayed for her. I prayed for her. I prayed for her. And she is so beautiful, man. She's so beautiful. She's handled this with grace. She's so loving and caring and patient. I don't pray for this season of suffering to be over necessarily for me. But I often do think of my wife and my children in a way from a humorous perspective, not spiritual, not spiritual because suffering is part of walking with Christ. And I don't have any problem with that. But when you are married with children, your family goes through the same thing and they are pulled in so many directions and kind of suffer along with you and with the season. In my human mind, I would like for it to be over just for her because I was the one who was working. I was taking care of the family. I was doing all this. And now the tables have turned. I'm telling you, brother, it hurts me as a man to see my wife go out that door every day and go to work. Not that she doesn't want to because she understands now and she's all for it. But it still hurts me watching her go out that door every day, knowing that I just want to be able to take her out to eat right, with my money take her somewhere nice. I mean, she's worked so hard these past four years, man. Oh, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Spiritually, you know, I understand suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, I understand being conformed to his image. I understand all that. But I just wanted to interject the point of when you are married, mm -hmm. you know, you do humanly just kind of go through those things where it's just like, man, like I don't want my wife to have to work like this. So it's tough, man. Some days are better than others for me, mm -hmm. brother, mm -hmm. but it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you shared that because that was actually a question that I had wanted to ask. So I didn't have to because <laughs> the spirit prompted <laughs> you to answer it. Right. Yeah. It is true. And what's beautiful too is now y'all are navigating this journey together, but you're getting the opportunity to see how God can keep you afloat. You're still in that stage of like, all right, <laughs> in the water. But you said something before that that was so beautiful. You said something to the effect of not only is it that God can, but he has, right? And I think we don't always get that. We're praying for God to do something. And sometimes God's like, oh, I've already started the process. Right. It made me think of when Abraham was taking Isaac up there. The goat wasn't born at that moment. God had already brought that goat to life years before they started walking up that mountain. Mm. God already had, right? It wasn't just that he could save Isaac. He had already started the process. That's powerful. To the point where the goat was born, had lived a life, and was at the strategic spot for Abraham to see him. Maybe that's something that we need to practice more often. Instead of asking God what he can do, looking for what God has already done, having our eyes open to what he has already done. That is so beautiful how you just described that. I mean, that is, bro, that was so graceful. And yes, we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to think on that, right? Like you said, he already has started the process. So it's not like, what are you doing? Or can you do this? But it's like, I think our first response should be, Show me what you already have been doing, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Show me what you already have been doing. By the time we notice or sense that we're in a season of suffering, to our finite human minds, we just sensed it. But spiritually and in the spiritual realm, 
He's like, well, that process been started. Mm-hmm. You're just getting a sense of it or understanding it or feeling it right now. But I've already predestined that, number one. And two, I've already started that process. You're just feeling it now. Mm-hmm. So show me what you have already done. Show me the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. right? Because everything starts in the spiritual, and then it spills over into the natural. By the time we sense it in the natural, you know, it's already been happening in the spiritual. So ask for spiritual eyes to see what he's already been up to. (laughs) Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say somebody's listening that is currently sitting in suffering and maybe they're sitting in suffering because of the call to follow Christ. Maybe they had a transformation. They fall on an invitation from Christ and they're sitting in suffering. If you could talk to that person right now, what would you want to say to them? Great question right there. Keep your spiritual mind and eyes open. Know that everything is for a purpose. Know that it's going to be beautiful. Just because things may not feel good right now, it's for your good, right? It's for your good later. Everything is for your good. It's so your latter years or your latter end can be greater than your former. I would just say to that person, it may not feel good, and I understand that. But keep on going and ask God, ask the Lord for spiritual eyes, for discernment to see and to know what he's already up to, what he's already been doing. He's processing something beautiful out of the suffering, Mm -hmm. you know, so just know it's going to be good. And when it's all said and done, when the smoke clears, you're going to know him so deeply and so intimately and so closely. And you're going to know yourself more intimately and more deeply, and more closely. And you're going to be a better follower of him, better suited to relate to other people that suffer as well. Suffering makes you relatable. You know, suffering makes you a better person. You're going to be able to reach more people and and touch more people and influence more people because you can relate to them better. So everything is working for your good and just continue to trust them. He's good. He's good all the time. Mm, That's good. Well, let's say somebody's listening and they really love what you're saying and they're like, man, I want to come across Ben's podcast or read some of his writings. <laughs> how, how can somebody connect with what you're doing? Oh, my goodness. I do have a website that I blog on is www.bornleaderbrand.com. Once again, www.bornleaderbrand.com. You can find some of my writings and blogs on there. And as far as my social media, you can follow me on Facebook at Real Born Leader or Born Leader. Just type in Born Leader. I should pop up. And on Instagram at Real Born Leader and Twitter at Real Born Leader. Those are some ways you can connect with this newfound perspective on being his artist and being a writer. It's definitely going to be more writings and more works of art that are going to be coming out soon. So stay tuned. I love it. And as we close out, is there anything else that God's putting in your heart that you want to share? Oh, my goodness. It gets better. Just when you think you know, you know him or you know you, it gets better. So keep your mind and your heart open because it gets better. And I just want to say to you, Paul, thank you for this podcast. Thank you for having me on because, you know, this space, this platform, that just allows for conversation and for expression of the glory of God and of his word and prayer and just giving glory to him is so needed, right? It's so needed and it's so necessary. So who you are and what you're doing is so paramount. 
thank you for being obedient, right? Thank you for leaving your job or whatever happened, but (laughs) you know, whatever happened, Uh losing, leaving, whatever the case, but thank you for your obedience as well Mm -hmm. and for your heart and for the grace and faith that he's given you. We would have never met like this or Mm. ran across each other like this. So this is beautiful. Thank you for your purpose and for what he's called you to and your identity in him. That's pretty much it, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Continue to do what you do. I was pondering a fitting verse to close out this episode, I came across an unexpected one through an online search. It's actually a verse that I know well, and you've heard me share often, just not in this way. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. If you haven't guessed, that's Ephesians 3.20. And I have to admit, I have never read the message version of that, but it fits so well with this conversation with Benjamin today. Because amidst the hardships, amidst the questions, one thing that he and I both agreed on is that God can. God can do anything. And he does so not by pushing us around, but working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. As I was reflecting on this episode, I was struck again by that image of being tossed into the sea and really embracing the fact that we do have our ideas of what would need to happen in that situation. And while God could pull us out, or he could help us to be able to swim, or he could make the sea more salty and make us more buoyant, he could also allow us to walk on water, something that we could never have imagined. He could also part the seas and allow us to stand on dry ground. I mean, we're talking impossible things, mind-blowing things that God is capable of, that he can do. But in the midst of the ocean, it's not up to us to determine how God should act because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. It could very well be that the thing we think is best for us is not best for the others in the water or those in the boat. It could be that God is inviting us into a hard situation because he's doing something beyond us. It could be that he chooses not to part the sea because he wants others to see us not just surviving but thriving in the wild waves. Ours is not to determine God's optimal activity, but to choose to trust him even if he leaves us in the dark. Because just as Jesus was with the disciples on the sea, God is with us when it seems the darkest. And he can Your situation is not hopeless. And if God isn't working the way that you expected, invite him to show you what you can't see of what he's already done. Invite him to strengthen you when he's asking you to wait. And invite him to give you peace for the road that he chooses. Because anything that God chooses to do and anything that God chooses to allow is abundantly more than we could ask for or imagine, is accomplishing far greater things than our best case scenario. We need only to trust, open our eyes, and ask ourselves, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? 
Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation, but feel like maybe you should since it's part of the Bible. Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One, you could go to www.wheredidyouseegod.com revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're going to want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free. Get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?